Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I'm going to be honest with you, some Friday shows just feel a little different than others during the football season. There's a feeling that you sometimes get where it's a little bit of a, maybe it's a pit in your stomach, but it's not really like a nervousness. It's more about a tension. And I, I guess that's probably the better way to say it. You just kind of wake up feeling that little bit of uh, energy, that, that little bit of tension. You know you're going into a big football weekend. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you feel this way. Obviously, this is not a you know, a top 10 matchup. This is not, you know, ESPN College game day on hand the way that Georgia's had for a couple times this year. This isn't even, you know, the, the, the hated rival, the Florida Gators. This is something below that. But in terms of my own personal energy today, I don't feel like it's too much far below it. I kind of got the feeling waking up this morning that I was heading into a pretty big football weekend in a pretty big environment on Saturday. I'm expecting Neyland Stadium to be loud. I've told you before that I think that Tennessee might be the kind of team that could give Georgia a little bit of a challenge. Some of y'all don't agree with that, so let's just push that aside for a moment. Just the whole idea of one more time to kind of face some hostile environment before you kind of cakewalk your way through the final two weeks and get ready for the SEC championship game. Are you with me here that it sort of feels a little bit like a like a big college football weekend for the dogs? I, I kind of feel that way. I, I hope you do. And if you're on the fence about whether you do or you don't, let me see if I can um, let me see if I can put you over the edge here for a moment. So Georgia puts out a hype video each and every week. Every college football program, for the most part, does now. And for the most part, everybody kind of knows what hype videos are that there's a sort of established template for what you do with a hype video. And by the way, I love hype videos. I've never seen a hype video that didn't deserve to exist. I just think they're all great. I'm just the kind of guy that likes theatrics and the kind of movie trailer style hype video that that teams do right now. I just think that's, and this has been going on for, what, a decade or so? I just think all of this is just, it's part of the college football landscape. The same way that the marching bands would have been 50 years ago, the hype videos are just a part of the college football culture here right now. And there was a lot about the latest hype video from Georgia that is very much like you'd expect from a hype video. There's always like the very, you know, aggressive script. It's read oftentimes by a celebrity. Georgia has the country music superstar Thomas Rhett reading uh, its most recent one. I think Rhett's kind of a, you know, a, a cool guy. So it's kind of cool to have him as a part of the Georgia hype video here. You've got the you have like a thousand jump cuts. It's just like, it's like four seconds of video. Then you're jumping to something else and you're jumping to something else and you're jumping to something else. It's like, you can make something seem really exciting. If you just make enough jump cuts in, in order. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of what you call music stingers where it's like, you know, it's the very loud, you know, uh, you know, brass sound or something like that. There's just a way to kind of manipulate your emotion with a hype video. And I don't say that mockingly. I say that as someone who welcomes uh, that kind of emotional manipulation, hype videos, just kind of figure that out. So here's what I'm going to do. For those of you watching on video, I'm going to show you just a little bit of this. And for those of you listening radio podcast, I'm going to play you a little clip of this just to establish the idea of that we all know what a hype video is. This is a little bit of what Georgia put out. This is a little bit of how it sounded with Thomas Rat reading it. These are the kinds of things you've seen a thousand times before. Take a look and a listen at this. Step by step, we move. We want 60 minutes as long as it takes. Game by game, we work. It's not coach speed. It's a mindset. Physical, physical. Reaching your goals is like climbing a mountain. It's a journey towards that goal, towards the summit. 
so you understand this, right? Everybody knows what a hype video is. It's the it's the aggressive script. It's the music stinger. It's the jump cuts, and I love it. I love it all. And this one worked on me the way that every other hype video has always worked in the past because you start building to a crescendo here, and they do a cool thing with like uh with like the Larry Munson stuff and the hobnail boot. They go back and show you all the all kinds of cool you know stuff from the Georgia Tennessee rivalry over the years. And as that's building, I'm telling you right now. I mean, someone like me that's easily swayed by stuff like this. I'm like running through a wall at a certain point in time. I mean, the whole thing is just absolutely getting me fired up. But then at the end, there was this perfect, subtle troll of Tennessee that if you're not paying very close attention to, you might have missed. And if you're not obsessed with Georgia football news, you might not even be aware of. Do you remember back in 2019? And I remember I was standing there when this happened. I, you know, I'm not actually in the locker room as much anymore. They hadn't had, had locker rooms. Uh, obviously in, in the COVID world, but you know, now I'm always doing the post game show, things like that. But back in 2019, I'd be in the locker room and doing some of the interviews. So I'm interviewing Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm at the time we're t- kind of doing whatever Fromm actually said a bunch of interesting stuff that night. I always remember that. And so I'm, you know, doing the back and forth interview and then, uh, it's over from leaves and as he's walking out. He just kind of like on the way out the door, he just kind of gives you, a, and <laughs> I'm going to regret doing this, but he kind of gives you a good old. Rocky Top. He just kind of gave you a little bit of a, a of a little bit of a rendition of Rocky Top on the way out the door. Georgia really celebrated that win against Tennessee, very big in 2019. I was glad they did. A lot of Georgia fans kind of remember that from doing that. So I just showed you a part of that hype video from a moment ago. Now you got to really listen closely to hear this, and I want you to go to like the official UGA account. You can watch the whole video because um, it's worth seeing. There's a bunch of cool stuff in there. But this last little thing, I wanted to make sure I pointed out to you now. I tried to boost the audio of this a little bit because in actual when, when the actual audio plays, it's very faint. This is not meant to be highlighted. This is just kind of dropped in there. But you've got to understand the scenario here. So they give you the months and stuff. They give you the, the, the cool highlights of Georgia-Tennessee over the years. Big shot of Eric Stokes just absolutely blasting uh, Tennessee quarterback back in 2019. And then as the video is coming to an end, listen to the way the video ends with the little bit of the Fromm singing dropped in here at the end. I love this. Take a listen. I mean, you can barely hear it. If you don't mind, we're going to play this. Play this one more time. You can barely hear it. It's very, very low. It's nowhere near as loud as the music. And I had to actually boost the Rocky Top to get it to be louder so you can hear it. Uh, it's just barely dropped in there. This was a very subtle troll by George. I thought, well done. Hear it one more time. So listen, if you weren't fired up for the Georgia-Tennessee game before that, I think you will be now. Good stuff by UGA. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, all the different places where this is posted. It really is worth seeing, and I'm I'm, I'm having fun with it, but I'm being serious. I thought it was a, a really cool thing, really well done, and anything that gets us more ready for college football is always a good thing all the way around. Good to have you, by the way, on Dog Nature Day presented by Kroger. Let me shift gears to this, that when I think about Georgia and what we're going to see on Saturday and what we're still hoping to learn the rest of the way here i think there are three open issues for georgia three unanswered questions that are going to determine whether or not georgia wins the national championship this season or not i want to kind of briefly go through these and talk about what we might see against tennessee on saturday let me begin with this so yesterday there was more bad news for georgia in that arian smith who had just worked his way back from injury had a touchdown against missouri uh this past saturday in his return we also found out that he broke his leg and is 
likely to miss the, the rest of the season for UGA. And I was talking about this a little bit last night on, on uh, Cover 4 Live, and some people ask what I think is a very valid question, which is, well, B.A., how come you even care about Arian Smith right now? Not that you don't care about the player, but how come you're even worried about this from a UGA standpoint, given the fact that Smith's already barely played this season as it is? Georgia, for the most part, has been playing without Arian Smith, and they'll just continue to do what they've been doing, which is a fair question. But my response to that is, is that when I think about what I was hoping to see from Smith, and some of you all know that I have said before that I had a little bit of a fan's intuition that Smith was going to be a part of a huge play for Georgia before the season is done, just because he's the kind of guy that provided the extra dimension with speed that Georgia doesn't necessarily have from anybody else in that wide receiving core. And to see that Smith has had another injury setback, I took, a, took that as a disappointment. And the fans who say, well, what about what Georgia's been doing all season long? You're totally right. But I'm of the assumption that at a certain point in time, whether it be SEC championship game, college football playoff, maybe even perhaps partially this Saturday against Tennessee, at a certain point, Georgia's going to play a close game again. It's just hard to imagine you could go through an entire season without being tested again at some point in time. So at a certain point, you are going to have to call upon something that you haven't had to call upon thus far this season. And by the way, Georgia's overall strength of schedule is probably a little bit better than some people thinks, you know, thinks it is when you look at some of the advanced metrics about how strength of schedule is measured or just the old school metric of add up the opponent's wins plus the opponent's losses. The Georgia's strength of schedule is fine. It's not an issue. Georgia just makes it look like an easy schedule by how dominant it has been. But at a certain point in time, you have to say, well, what got us here is not going to get us there if you're Georgia. And you have to say, what is Georgia going to call upon in a SEC championship or college football playoff or something like that and the deep threat receiver is something that I think UGA was probably going to have to to call upon and now Smith won't be able to be that guy so for me one of the unanswered questions for Georgia is who will be your big playmaker when you need to make a play offensively who will you put the football into the hands of we've heard coaches say now for quite some time hey it's players not plays it's, it's designing your offense to get the ball to a certain player. Well, who do you want that to be? Now, you may say, well, there's a bunch of potential guys, which is fine. And that's I would probably agree with you on that too. But what about in particular, though, when it's a play at a given moment, when it's third and five and you've got a seven-point lead and you're trying to move the chains to help the clock move, or when you're down by a score and you're trying to tie the game, something that Georgia may again have to do before this season's done. Who do you want the football in the hands of at that particular moment? Who do you want to have at your disposal? With Arian Smith gone, you have one fewer guy to turn to in that. And you may say, well, it's Brock Bowers. I think that's a great answer. Or you may see what uh, Jermaine Burton did last Saturday and say, no, I think it could actually emerge and be Jermaine Burton. I think that's a fine answer there as well. But the point is, we really haven't learned that about Georgia yet. I don't think. We, we really haven't learned yet who Georgia really wants to throw it to, give it to, get involved in the offense at a time in which they have to have an offensive play. And I think over the course of the you know, 60 minutes of football tomorrow leading into what's going to happen December and January, that's one of those things I think we still need to learn. Here's something else that I think we still need to learn. And this is, I think, opponent-specific. Can Georgia block Will Anderson? the outstanding pass rusher for Alabama. Now, it's not a given that Georgia even plays Alabama in the SEC championship. Alabama still needs to beat Auburn just to win the SEC West. Or, you know, you got Arkansas looming there, too, that if Alabama were to lose, uh, Texas A&M would find itself as the SEC West champion, assuming it continues to win out. So it's not a given that Georgia plays Alabama, but it is a given that if Georgia does play Alabama, handling Anderson, the terrific pass rusher, is going to be a very big deal. 
It's one of the reasons why I'm watching very closely to see what happens for Georgia tomorrow. Now, Tennessee defensively doesn't provide what uh, anywhere close to what Alabama provides, but it's another game in which you're watching Broderick Jones with Jamari Salyer out. So you're going to be, or at least the presumption is that Salyer is going to be out. So you're evaluating here to see, well, is Jamari going to easily work his way back to full health in time for an SEC championship? Can he be the guy? And you're going to have to have, I mean, they're going to move Anderson around a lot, so it's not just going to be a battle there on the outside edge, but obviously a healthy Salyer is very important in that regard. That's one of those things that you're going to be you know, watching really closely, that, that for Georgia, blocking a big-time pass rusher, is going to have to occur in order to win a national championship. And uh, against Clemson, when that defensive front was still healthy and playing very well, remember, Clemson's a lot more banged up defensively now than it was back when it played Georgia. But at that particular time, that wasn't necessarily the, easy, the easiest thing for Georgia to do that day. A lot of folks thought the Georgia offense was limited because it had to get the ball quickly, get rid of the football quickly, because you knew that you were only going to keep that Clemson defensive front at bay for so long. So in December, against a Will Anderson, is Georgia ready for that kind of thing? Is the offensive line that, for the most part, really hasn't been asked to, to go out there and handle a great pass rusher, I don't think, so far this season? Can they go out there and do that against Alabama on that first Saturday in December? That, for me, is still an unanswered question. And then finally, there's this. And if you're following along so far, my two unanswered questions are, are Who's the playmaker going to turn to when you really need a big play offensively? Can you block the really outstanding pass rusher? Could be Will Anderson coming up in the SEC championship game. Then the third unanswered question for me about George is this, and maybe we do learn some version of this on Saturday. We have talked a lot over the course of the last couple of weeks about what seems to be the special nature of this Georgia team. The words of Kirk Herbstreit we, we played for yesterday stand as evidence of that. Kirby Smart's own words, I would say, stand as evidence of that just a bit. There is a chemistry here. There's a vibe around Georgia that seems to be its most valuable asset, perhaps even more than the outstanding talent that Georgia is able to put on the field each and every Saturday. Well, can that intangible, what Remember what Herb Street said yesterday, he called it elite intangibles. Can those elite intangibles survive some adversity? Can those elite intangibles become something that Georgia can turn to in the event that it finds itself in a tough situation where suddenly it's playing a closer game for longer than it's used to? And suddenly you've got to make some big plays in a pressure situation in a way that you have not had to all season long. What happens to the intangible characteristics that Georgia's put on display all season long in the midst of adversity when things might not be going well in a game? At some point in time, I do believe that Georgia's going to be challenged. And what Georgia does when that challenge comes, and it's inevitable that it will, what Georgia does when that challenge comes is ultimately what's going to be the thing that determines if this is a championship season or not. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and glad to have you with us, however you get to us, video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start at 945 on dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app for our first and 15. We roll right into the show after that. We appreciate you being a part of that with us each and every day. Of course, podcast, all the various platforms, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, there are a bunch of different ways for you to get the show, and we appreciate you checking them out, all of them. Uh, as we roll on for each and every day in what has been a very fun season for Georgia thus far and a great season that might just be getting started. So we appreciate you being with us for all of that. And, of course, our friends at Kroger, they make it possible for you here today. And don't forget, we're rolling towards Thanksgiving. 
I know this time of year we get busy with the football and we almost forget about the holiday season that's coming, but here's what happens after Saturday. Once Georgia beats Tennessee on Saturday, you've got Charleston Southern week. Once that's done, you're in Thanksgiving week. So you're really now a little less than two weeks away. Am I doing this right? Two weeks away to get ready for Thanksgiving. So it's time to get stocked up. And you know, I know in my family, we've already started our shopping because, listen, as you might imagine, we have some healthy eaters in our family when it comes to Thanksgiving. So a lot of that stuff has already been bought, getting stocked up and getting ready to go. And Kroger's got you covered for all of it. All of the uh, Kroger locations are also going to be open until 4 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day there as well, which is kind of a cool thing. There's always the last minute item. A lot of times it's what ice or it's, uh, you know, it's that that condiment, that ingredient that goes with whatever you're doing. Well, until 4 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Kroger's going to be open. And by the way, a huge thank you to so many of the great uh, folks that uh, keep the Kroger store uh, stocked and keep everything happy on the inside. Big thanks uh, to them for taking some of their time away from their family on Thanksgiving to be there for us and our families open to 4 p.m. there on Thanksgiving. So stop by your local Kroger. And by the way, keep going back to your local Kroger and get ready to go for the Thanksgiving that's on its way. Kroger.com or in your local Kroger store to find out more details about that. So it is uh, Jeff Sintel coming by here in just a moment. We'll do a lot of recruiting stuff with Jeff, and I can't wait for that. I also want to tell you about a couple other things right now, too. So we yesterday started a brand new show. We're going to do this every Thursday afternoon. It's called Chase for the Championship. Now, this is John Stinchcomb and me breaking down the college football playoff rankings, looking at Georgia's pursuit of a national championship that starts in Atlanta in the SEC championship, and we hope extends all the way into January in Indianapolis. And we started that yesterday. We're going to do that every Thursday for the next few weeks here as we roll through the end of the season, as the playoff rankings are released. We're going to just react to them there on Thursday afternoons. You can see them on the Dog Nation video channels. But here's the other thing you need to be aware of. As a part of our Dog Nation chase for the championship, we also have two really good things going on right now. First of all, on Thursday, December 2nd, Dog Nation is going to be back at Marlowe's Tavern again for a very special Chase for the Championship preview event, looking ahead of the SEC Championship game that following Saturday. It's going to be 6 p.m. at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. This is what we used to do. We have not been able to do that, but now we're back, and we're in person, and we're getting back together again, getting ready for the big game. So many of you, and I'm very thankful that you have, so many of you have asked about hey, when's Dog Nation going to do a Marlowe's Tavern event again? Well, we are. Marlowe's in Brookhaven, Thursday, December 2nd. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be able to do this. I cannot tell you how just over the moon I am about kind of getting back into the the chase for the championship, seeing Georgia in pursuit of a very lofty goal this season. We're going to talk about all of that Thursday, December 2nd at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. Also, there's this. The chase for the championship tailgate there on that Saturday, December 4th, at the Home Depot backyard. The Home Depot backyard is literally right next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You cannot be closer to the stadium without being on the field. We've partnered with them for this. Our friends at Kroger bring it all to you. And the tickets for the Home Depot backyard, Chase for the Championship, Dog Nation tailgate presented by Kroger are on sale right now. You can go to dognation.com right there at the top of the page. You can see this. The tickets include food, drinks, entertainment, and we have a very, very cool Chase for the Championship t-shirt that's going to end up being a collector's item. Once Georgia actually finishes this off and brings that championship home, you're going to be very happy that you have been ha- that you had the Chase for the Championship t-shirt. We're able to wear that all the way through. So this is going to be amazing. Um, we have a hundred tickets uh, right now at a reduced rate of $150 for that. So if you go to the, um, if you go to the website, dognation.com right there at the top, you see your ticket 
opportunity for Chase for the Championship tailgate at the Home Depot backyard presented by Kroger. Includes the t-shirt, your food, your beverage, and a bunch of fun. Y'all, this is going to be an incredible day. Think about how big of a deal it's going to be to be in Atlanta for the day that Georgia wins the SEC again, takes a step towards the college football playoff again. You're going to want to be in Atlanta with us for that big day, and your tickets to do so are at dognation.com right now. All right, so all that said, let's go around the doghouse here. It's uh, delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And I told you before, today is a big day. We're going to talk to Jeff Sintel more about this in a moment. There's so much going on around Dog Nation right now. Uh, It's decision day for an elite defensive back named Julian Humphrey. And a lot of you know the story here. Humphrey used to be a Florida commit. We love nothing more than beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators. Uh, Kirby Smart is going scorched earth against uh, Florida, and that's just the way that it is right now. And all Dan Mullen can do is sit there and take it, and he is going to see another, I believe, taken from him here today when it comes to Humphrey. Let me show you Humphrey here over the course of the last 24 hours, as he's been doing a lot getting very excited about his commitment announcement there on social media saying he's just 24 hours away from being able to do that, which I'm happy to see him as happy as he is about getting ready to make his decision. And obviously anything can happen as you head towards a a commitment announcement. But certainly if you're a Georgia fan, you have reason to maybe be hopeful that you get some good news from Humphrey here today. Another former Florida commit, Shamar James, the linebacker we've talked to you a lot about, was also kind of uh, going back and forth with Humphrey here. Uh, saying where you go and I can keep it a secret, basically just kind of joking around with Humphrey. And Humphrey comes back at him on Twitter to say, I think we both know where we are going. So James is wanting to find out Humphrey's announcement and kind of joking with him. And Humphrey comes back with his own joke about them going to the same place together. So I'm happy to see uh, recruits like that having so much fun together. Ultimately, I have no idea where anybody's going, but you know, there's some optimism for me about Humphrey. James will have to see about, uh, but but nonetheless, it's kind of a cool thing to see that kind of interaction happening here before Humphrey gets ready to make his announcement. That's also not the only potentially good piece of recruiting news that George has gotten. This one is hay in the barn. Raymond Cottrell yesterday, the four-star wide receiver for the class of 2023. He's from Milton, Florida, top 100-level player. This is the kind of wide receiver you want in any class, but it's also even more enjoyable that Cottrell flipped from florida to commit to uga so i jokingly said with you on the show yesterday because we were actually on the air when this happened i I jokingly said that once dan mullen gets to recruiting season he realizes that he lost cottrell he's going to be very disappointed but in any set of circumstances this is a big deal for georgia to get cottrell for the class of 2023 establishing some of that momentum that that you can do this is one of the luxuries that georgia builds for itself that when you are handling your business in the current recruiting class it gives you a chance to put more resources to the next recruiting class. And this is why, I'll just say this very quick and then we'll move on because gosh knows we've already been on air for quite some time. We've barely even gotten started. Um, this is why it's going to be very hard for Florida. They are they are firing Grantham. They're firing Havasey, the offensive line coach. And you just understand this offseason is going to be this whole thing of, and Florida is rededicating itself to recruiting. That's going to be the thing that you're going to hear them say, like, oh, you know, Florida is just going to go out there and, and, and recruit the way that the, 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 to, up to the Gator standard. If, if Mullen can hold on to his job, that's what you're going to hear him say a thousand times. But here's the problem. Because Florida has been so casual and lazy about its recruiting efforts, there are a lot of SEC programs that potentially fall into the same category, a lot of programs around the South that are just content to you know, go three-quarter speed. It's very hard to make up that ground because when you're Georgia and you are going full speed all the time, that's allowing you to work ahead. And Kirby Smart's told you this before. 
when it comes to top 100 level players, players along the line of scrimmage, the kind of shut down cornerbacks that can help stop these high powered passing attacks. These are not tests that you can cram for. These are not situations where you can just get in the last minute, show some cool edit, some clever hashtag, and suddenly you're in with an elite top level prospect. These are the kinds of relationships that are forged over the course of years. And George is able to be working on 2023s and 2024s right now because it is, for the most part, already handled its business for the class of 2022. There's a couple of open issues still there, but for the most part, uh, Georgia is able to work ahead. So good luck to any program, Florida, anybody else, that's going to try to make up ground against Georgia in recruiting, knowing that Georgia is always well out in front, taking over new turf for itself each and every day. Yesterday, another example of that. Maybe today, an example of that there as well. It's Around the Dog House. It is delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And, of course, as you get ready to roll into the weekend, we always encourage you to uh, take some Marco's Pizza with you because when it comes to Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers get it. They get the great flavor, the golden brown crust baked perfectly each and every time, the three cheeses melted and blended together on top, those old-world authentic toppings that make the pizza taste extra good, and the great savings as well. That's one of the things I love about Marco's Pizza, including the chance to get a large one-topping pizza for just $9.99 when you're feeding a bunch of hungry mouths like we do in our family. A big savings matters, especially right now when you're looking to get more money in your pocket each and every chance that you get. Well, Marco's Pizza gives you that chance. So find them online, marcos.com. Check them out on the Marco's app. Uh, participation may vary, so you can also check in your own store for, for more details on that. But pizza lovers get it. You can get it as well. Marco's.com, Marco's app for a lot more on that. All right, so... Before we're done, we're going to look at something very interesting that Nick Saban said yesterday. We're going to look at, I think, an interesting comparison between Georgia and another national championship hopeful, something that we might learn about both these teams here this week. So we'll do uh, that here coming up. But first, it is decision day for Julian Humphrey. It is a big moment potentially for Georgia's 2022 class or whoever it is that gets Humphrey. We'll find out from Jeff about that, plus a lot more to get to, including a little bit of a rumor that's been out there related to recruiting that I'm going to let Jeff either put some water on to put the fire out, or maybe he'll fan the flames. We'll find out coming up. It's On the Road, assisted by AAA. All the recruiting news you can handle with Jeff Sintel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Boy, a lot going on with UGA recruiting right now and with uh, Jeff Sintel here on the road, assisted by AAA. Let's go ahead and, I guess, handle this chronologically maybe. So, Jeff, before I get to decision day for Julian Humphrey, let me go back to yesterday with the four-star wide receiver, Raymond Cottrell. Now, I said this a moment ago that, you know, for someone like me, I love spiking the football on Dan Mullen in Florida, and so that's the first part about this that seems really fun. Hey, Georgia flipped a recruit from Florida, and you almost don't need to know any more than that to know it's kind of a cool thing. But when you think about four-star wide receiver, something that Georgia needs more of, when you think about top 100 kind of player in the country, even if it's for a cycle ahead, these are the kinds of players that Georgia's always going to want, always want to need. And the fact that, you know, you flip them away from Florida, to me, just makes it even sweeter. Yeah, I think that's the way you go. Uh, I mean, Brandon, for me, I, I know everybody's going to pour on. and Well, good morning, everybody. Let me make sure I say that. Um, everybody's going to pour on about uh, – it's a guy from the Gators, but I think really, Brandon, Georgia could have flipped this guy from Oregon, and I think the fan base should probably be happy. This is a six foot three receiver, about 205 pounds. Everybody wants that bigger receiver in the Georgia offense. He's a top 100 guy. Uh, he actually, Brandon, believes in 
the verticality and the big play potential of Georgia's offense. He doesn't look at, hey, I'm not getting, we're not, they're not putting the ball in the air 45 times a game. He realizes what Georgia is. He knows they've got linemen. He knows they've got run game. He knows they're going to take those shots downfield. And, you know, Cottrell was a guy that gave Georgia a really, really hard look, uh, even during pandemic recruiting. He was actually in the stands with a bunch of, uh, kind of 707 trainer type, uh, teammates. Uh, for G Day for the spring game, really like Georgia a lot, and I think the funniest part of this story is it only it only throws a couple of starter logs onto the narrative, or just probably adds a bunch of uh, adds a bunch of nitroglycerin uh, to the narrative that Florida can't recruit, or Florida's just not recruiting the way the big boys do. Some of the comments that have came out about from Cottrell after the commitment was that Florida just really didn't um, recruit him, make him feel comfortable establish relationships, really just invest in the fact you have a top 100 receiver committed to your program. They didn't treat him uh, like he was a priority. Yeah, to me, this is the thing that's always interesting. I know you mentioned that last night on Cover 4 Live, which I found to be fascinating, but this is to me the unseen part of recruiting that we always think about these tireless working assistant coaches or head coaches, the guys who are just you know boundless energy, and that's certainly a part of it. But, Jeff, so much of what makes for a great recruiting organization is tedious. It's the ability to send out a bunch of mail. It's the ability to, to, you know, respond to text messages. It's the ability just to kind of handle things in kind of a systematic type way. And that's the kind of, you know, administrative type thing that doesn't feel very much like football, but it's a huge part of the recruiting process. It's almost like the stuff that really works, especially when you're thinking about a cycle ahead with a guy like Cottrell, that, that some of the recruiting things that, that allow you to be successful there are actually a little bit boring, but but very, very important. you just got to be good at handling administrative tasks to make these guys feel like they're still loved, right? Yeah, Brandon, it's really about a personal touch, and I'm going to use your show as an example. You're there every day. You're going to give some dry wit. You're going to give some snarkiness. You're going to give some, uh, you know, basically – try to suplex or power bomb the, the, the easy, low-hanging fruit narratives that are in the SEC. But I think the fact that you're, you're, you're here every day for everybody, and then when you get past all the program stuff, you know, this is what we're going to talk about, this is this segment, this is around the SEC, this is this guest. And then when there's about probably about 12 minutes of every show where you get to be branded, I think that's what folks keep coming back for and what they remember. And really that's a lot of that stuff with recruiting. It's like, Checking in, it's like sending a Bible verse. It's like, uh, hey, I saw your game. I saw your work this weekend. I think you need to work on your hand placement. I think you need to work on getting off the ball a little bit better. The stemming of your routes need to get a little bit better. Those are the things that feel like, hey, we're in a high school relationship. I'm going to be here for you every day. It's not going to be perfect all the time, but I'm going to be here every day. I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to let you see a side of me that maybe the normal recruit doesn't get to see. And that's how these things forms. I mean, I think one of the greatest examples I can give is, uh, I think Oscar Delp told me, basically every day, Todd Hartley, once he said, son, I'm going to recruit the, I'm going to recruit the fanny parts off of you. Once Todd Hartley was like, you're my guy. I'm not letting, I'm letting, letting you get away. I'm not going to let anybody recruit you harder than that. You're my guy. And he did it every day. And whether it was one example of his personality or something to say, he was there every day checking in and folks, that's just something Florida's not doing, and I think it starts at the top down. The head coach doesn't make it a priority. The co- coordinators don't make it a priority. There's not a guy reeling in recruits left and right that makes it a priority. 
if nobody in your organization is doing that, it's going to be hard for one or two guys to do that. But yet when everybody's doing that, the Dell McGee's, the Trevion Scott's, the Jamila Dyes, the you keep going down the list of Cortez Hankton, the Matt Luke's, when everybody's doing that, uh, it really creates a juggernaut on the recruiting trail. Aside from all the facilities, aside from all the cool gear, aside from all the cool edits, aside from the fancy stadium and everything else like that, that stuff right there, which has to show up every day, is how you recruit big-time players. All right, so it's decision day for Julian Humphrey. This, I think, would be a big addition to uh, Georgia's class. And I'm trying to decide how UGA fans should feel about this. Should it be uh, a quiet optimism or an unapologetic cockiness in terms of you know what's going to go down with Humphrey here today there are some Georgia fans who kind of think of this as kind of a foregone conclusion that that Humphrey's choosing UGA there are also some UGA fans who are kind of on guard for some sort of swerve or something like that because you know things aren't supposed to be easy to predict what do you think the outlook for UGA fans should be for the Humphrey thing we should also point out that you know, 90-something percent of people who watch this show watch it well after it airs to begin with. So for some people, this will be old news because he's going to make his announcement around, what, 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, a little bit after 1 p.m. Eastern time. So folks will know by the time they hear this what Humphrey's doing. But give me your your outlook for those who are actually consuming live right now, what you think they should think about the Humphrey decision day as it goes down. Yeah, I think some people have gotten uh, trepidation a little bit because they said maybe this feels like Micah Parsons uh, right before uh, signing day in the 2018 cycle, or maybe it feels a little bit like Owen Papo in the weeks before that cycle. I'm just going to say it's kind of this is kind of a different Georgia now in terms of where this program sits on the mountaintop literally in a lot of areas. Uh, I think if Julian Humphrey chooses Georgia or he chooses LSU or Texas A&M, uh, it's just going to be on the strength of who's the best fit for him. I mean, he's, Brandon, he's from a football family. I mean, this is the first time I can tell you about a kid that runs a 4-3-8 and on the laser, and he has older brothers, two older brothers that are, that have clocked faster times than he has. Uh, and then you've got a father who probably would be a, you know, a, a sizable legend in Houston area, Metro. Houston, Texas high school football is from a family of athletes. Uh, really a guy that, uh, you know, one of the things people wanted to know, Brandon, is this is another one of those kids, one of those young men that have over a million followers on their social media accounts. And folks wonder, is this guy a worker? What's he about? Is he about the, <clears throat> is he about chasing the cloud or is he about chasing the natties? Stewart's really got three, three schools. One of them is the local option, Texas A&M. Excuse me, I said, I said Evan Stewart, basically, pardon me, because Evan Stewart was another guy that has that huge, gigantic yeah. social media following that's probably another example of a guy trending away from the Mighty Gators as well over the last two or three months. But uh, Humphrey is a guy, one of, the, one, of the guy, one of the schools he has in his final three doesn't even really have a head coach. You see him making all sorts of uh, innuendos and uh, kind of gestures on social media that would let Dog Nation think that this is a position of confidence today where – you were kind of getting that flex uh, method. I'm going to say this. He's a really important part of the class if you would choose Georgia because I think what Georgia has done getting in the race for Julian Humphrey has caused a lot of other names that were on the board, Dayon Bowie, for example. Uh, that guy's no longer a priority, no longer a big need for Georgia in this class. There's Kamari Wilson in the secondary. You know, There's, 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 there's Jaheim Singletary who keeps showing up in Athens as well, but you want to put together that best possible defensive back class of the Kirby Smart era, and it would include Julian Humphrey, a 
number 92, 93 overall recruit. Got that speed, but let me tell you, there's something different about this young man. He's about six foot one, maybe six, a little over six feet, Brandon. He's about 185, 188 pounds right now, and this is a young man with a body. Uh, you can talk about the Travis Hunters of the world all you want, but Travis Hunter's probably 170 pounds right now, whereas you look at Humphrey, uh, he's going to be a rock-solid 185, 188 wherever he shows up in college football. This is not really necessarily all that important to our audience, but you know, you mentioned with A&M being one of Humphrey's three finalists, they got a lot of recruiting momentum right now, and it's not really, I think, much of a factor for Georgia at the moment because it doesn't seem like they're intersecting. I mean, they're going to intersect today around Humphrey, but I mean, they just got the commitment from Walter Nolan. It, it seems like you mentioned Evan Stewart before. It seems like there's a little bit of a uh, of a buzz with the A and M and Evan Stewart. Uh, maybe Shamar uh, uh, Stewart there as well. Um, it seems like you know. After it's all said and done, I mean, A&M is really putting together another outstanding class here in 2022, aren't they? Yeah, and you're going to mention something, and I'm going to, I'm going to dial it in. Really, they're going to come to a head for Shamar Stewart. That's a guy that's a top-ten prospect. That's going to, we're going to be talking about his name ad nauseum in January, uh, especially after the seasons are over. But yeah, that's a guy I think Georgia's going to end up going head-to-head with. Shamar is a, really one of the – epic transcendent players in this class. He looks like he could play on Georgia's defense or anybody's defense right now. Uh, but it's really weird with A&M, though, Brandon. I don't know. They're, they're, they're intended or they're, I guess they're courting or they're down the road a little bit with a lot of these big-time recruits. But I think they're still barely a top eight, top nine team right now in the rankings. And they could probably close to where they get to be two or three with a lot of good guys that they're trending with. I think it's a funny side note, Brandon, that the, the not even the week after, and this is probably why Georgia kind of uh, kind of washed his hands of this whole business with Walter Nolan, but Brandon, not even a week after he commits on the field, hugging Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M before the Auburn game, he's already taking more visits to his hometown Tennessee, man. He's going to probably be in, he's going to likely be in the stands. He's going to be in the stands for Georgia Tennessee uh on Saturday and you know, they're still I mean, we said Walter Nolan's Walter Nolan's uh, recruiting will probably never be over, uh, even when the ink is dry. This will be a guy that you have to worry about with transfer portal issues and everything else like that. But you know, this is a guy that you know is going to enjoy the recruiting process, is going to love the recruiting process uh, with A and M uh, holding on to him. There's a lot of guys, Brandon, but there's a lot of guys that if a Georgia fan wanted to see me at a tailgate on Saturday, and they're going to say, "All right, Jeff," but are a lot of these guys that that A and M's getting late? You know the Walter Nolans, the Evan Stewarts, the you know the Ni Whites. Those are guys that have kind of been around the block, and for whatever reason, they didn't really fit in Ohio State or in Alabama or in Georgia. You know, for whatever reason, Texas A and M was kind of one of the last couple of teams standing amongst all those big boys. While while a lot of the big boys either got a big Bear Alexander or kind of just tapped out of the race. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, Jeff, the state high school football playoffs begin tonight. I would say that in the 7A classification, there are probably three or four teams that have distanced themselves from the rest of the pack. One of those, I believe, is Milton. And there are a lot of rumors this week about a top player from Milton, one of the top players in the country, maybe the top player in the country for the class of 2023, the defensive lineman uh, Lebius L.T. Overton. Is there anything that you can add to some of the chatter that's been out there? Is this is this smoke that's going nowhere? Is this a real thing? What can you tell us about some of what, what's been out there uh, regarding Overton as of late? 
Yeah, Brennan, I, 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 good of you to ask because I think it's on people's minds right now. Crazy how Georgia recruiting works is they're they're feeling so good and fancy about the the 2022 cycle that they're looking for potential reclassifications from the 2023 cycle to add any even more juice to next year's team. Right now, Brennan, I think it I, I think it kind of needs to stay and germinate for a little bit in the rumor lane. Uh, I can't really substantiate this with a lot of significant parties about whether the decision is likely or the decision will happen. Some of the things I'm hearing, that even if it does happen, it's not going to be an early enrollee situation. It might have to be very touch and go. might be a situation to watch next May, next April, to see how those things go. But, you know, right now, if you, if you think if, you're, if you want to say Overton somehow finds a way into Georgia's 2022 class, uh, then that's certainly going to be something to think about with the Shamar Stewarts of the world and everybody else that Georgia's trying to close with really late. I know these are everybody would classify this as uh, Georgia problems or Tiffany's problems type to ha- type to happen with a recruiting cycle. But right now, the Overton things are out there. Uh, just right now, just doesn't seem really substantial at this time for folks to really start rolling their sleeves up about just yet. I mean, obviously, the idea that you, that Georgia could get a guy like this to reclassify in 2022 class be enormous. But there's also just kind of a natural curiosity here of defensive line is a different kind of position where where beef and age and things like that seem to matter i mean is overton really good enough and i don't say this disrespectful to him because i mean he's obviously great and i mean people who've seen him this year will tell you that he's just dominated but is he really good enough to reclassify a year early and play defensive line in the sec because uh congrats if that's the case that's quite an athletic feat if so yeah, well, there's a guy like Shamar Stewart that probably could have done it. We just mentioned it a while back. Barry Alexander could have, do it, could have done it. But, you know, the really, the really recent information here on LT is he's an athlete, Brandon, and he's a guy that's going to, that was going to be a state championship contender, uh, the defending Milton High School state basketball team in Georgia's Class 7A. He's a key starter on that team that won, the, one that won it all a year ago and will likely win it all again uh, this coming season in the – in the winter in February and in March. But the really, Brandon, to be totally honest, the thing here with Overton is there's a health concern with him right now. And that's it. He still isn't all the way back from uh, the bone injury where he broke, he, he broke two bones in his foot uh, preseason where he missed about four games. And, Brandon, he's been playing the last few weeks, maybe somewhere in a range between 60 to 75 to 80%, depending on who you talk to. I mean, the ability for him to – stick his foot in the ground and redirect and go at an elite level at an All-American level is just not there yet. Uh, so that's a guy that's coming back from an injury as it is right now, not playing like the dominator he was a year ago where he had 21 and a half sacks as a sophomore in Georgia's Class 7A. I think all the pieces are there. And, you know, another thing to think about with Overton is when we really got to see him uh, in the Under Armour circuit and all the uh, showcase camps this spring, you know, the size really wasn't uh, demonstrative for him. He's about 6'4". He's right now about 260, 265, 270, uh, where, you know, that's the thing where you see him up against a lot of guys. I remember uh, this picture stays really fresh in my mind. There's a picture of him next to C.J. Madden, next to Walter Nolan. And, you know, Overton just looks like he fits in that group and he belongs in that group. He's not demonstrably, demonstrably, like a guy that just wows you in a mix of all those other guys. He looks like an all-American type guy in any class, 
But the fact the fact that you make there about can he come in and be dominant in the SEC really early, classifying early, you know, the thing that comes to my mind when I say that is he's got to get fully healthy first on the high school level before he can do things like that. It's uh, on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now, and obviously AAA, what we think of when we're on the road, and Jeff and I will be on the road together a lot this weekend. Uh, we're heading over for a great high school game tonight between Grayson and East Coweta. Does not get better than that for round one on Peachtree TV and CBS46.com. And then tomorrow morning, along with our buddy Connor Riley, heading up to a Knoxville, or Mike Griffith, our other buddies already there. So Jeff, Connor, and I will get a, uh, a head start tomorrow morning to head up to uh, the mountains of East Tennessee there, too. And when we're on the road, AAA goes with us because if something happens, break down the side of the road, we want AAA to be able to help us out with that. But that's not the only way in which AAA can help you out. Also, the one you turn to for life insurance. And like so many of us, we have families. And one of the most important things to think about when you have a family, especially when your salary is what helps take care of your family, spouse, children, things like that, is what happens in the event that you will be gone. It's not a pleasant thing to think about, but it's a man's duty and a a woman's duty to think about that and and make sure that there is still some provision even if uh, we were not to be here anymore. And that's where life insurance can step in. And that's where AAA can step in when it comes to uh, life insurance because uh, their financial services associates can help explain all the options. They're friendly. They're nice people. They know this like the back of their hand. They can tell you about the option that makes the most sense for you and then you can make the decision to make sure that your family is still well taken care of uh, even if you were to be gone. You know you need to do this. You've had people tell you you need to do this. Maybe your spouse has told you that you need to do this. Well, it's time now to do it. So reach out to AAA. Give them a call, 866-695-0222. That's 866-695-0222. Find them online, AAA.com slash life. That's AAA.com slash life. Or you can also just stop by and see them at one of their uh, locations. Just stop in and say, hey, I'm here to talk about life insurance. They'll smile at you, they'll sit you down, and they'll take you through the entire process. You will truly be glad that you did. Jeff, I've heard great feedback, as to be expected, from four-star linebacker commit Jalen Walker's interview with you Wednesday night on Before the Hedges. That was just a really fun thing. And the thing that I keep saying here is that when Georgia gets to a point where it's recruiting the best of the best, the most elite talent, you then kind of move into a rarefied opportunity which is to be selective from within that group. You know, most programs are just so desperate for talent, they'll take whatever comes with a talented player. Whereas in Georgia's case, especially now, this is a well-established program. This is a program that's been recruiting at a high level for quite some time. This is a program that's been taking care of its players for quite some time. The reputation is good. The, the user reviews, if you will, of Georgia football, you got to imagine, are pretty, pretty glowing and complimentary. That all of a sudden now, Georgia can be quite selective about who it wants to bring in. I think you see evidence of that in the class of 2022. Georgia's choosing not just elite talents, but the kind of guys that have a chance to be future team captains or something like that. Walker certainly stands as one of those guys for me. What did you think getting another chance to speak to him here this week? Yeah, Brandon, I think that you said it pretty well. I mean, he's an SEC media days guy tied to me, which is me, which means that's a guy that's really a really stinking good football player, but also an ambassador and a spokesman for your company or your brand, which is Georgia football right now. And the things that are going to happen for him in NIL will be amazing and will be kind of the – Kind of the tip of the iceberg for for Jalen. I've gotten to the point, Brandon, where Brandon, where I I look at guys now, and I I have something in my mind. It's not quite a star rating anymore. It's kind of like that guy's going to be successful rating. And I can't think of many players I've ever covered uh, that have as high of a Q rating in terms of 
that guy's going to be successful on the field, in the classroom, inside the locker room, in the media circle, with his brand. I mean, he is a, he's a young man. I mean, it seems, it seems laughable to mention that he's only a number 42, number 45 overall prospect, but you start listening to him talk football, Brandon, it's almost like Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann and Dan Lanning got in a lab or went to their favorite place where they could order what they wanted. He's, he's the son of a college football coach to begin with. He wants to, he wants to be an orthodontist and be, and put people's braces on when he's through playing football. He's the homecoming king of his high school. He's the guy that's really the down low, low key G money on all the recruiting guys where he's working like he's a member of the staff talking to Shamar James, still thinking about the one that got away in Luther Burden, but bringing up how important a guy like Jaheim Singletary would be in the class. And then, oh, by the way, you flip on the film, and he's a guy that could play inside backer or outside backer. He's a guy, Brandon, that was at least starting off at Georgia would be an inside backer. And yet, and yet Jalen's right now on the horn recruiting Shamar James to come play inside linebacker with him as well because he knows Georgia just needs as much dudes as possible, as many dudes as possible. He talks about how he can't wait to play a team like an Auburn. That's one of those schools he can't wait to face on the field. He gets the tradition. He gets the pageantry of college football. And then one of our viewers had a really great question, I thought. They said, what kind of linebacker do you see yourself being at Georgia? Who, what will it resemble? What would it look like? And he brought out Brandon, which is a delicious combination. He wants to be a combination of Channing Tindall's speed on the field and Nicobe Dean's brain and intellect and football IQ on the field. Brandon, you see him making plays all over Georgia High, all over North Carolina high school football. He's a state champion. He's made catches as a tight end in the uh, state championship game at North Carolina for touchdowns. He's all over the place on special teams. You want to talk about the prototype, ideal recruit for Georgia's defense. Jalen Walker is that dude. You add in the versatility where he can rush off the passer. He can cover a guy. He can set the edge. He can fill a gap. I mean, really, I'm waiting for Jalen Walker to say something like he can't dance or he doesn't know how to dress himself. Because really right now the kid looks to be winning in life from all angles. Yeah, it certainly seems like that's the case. Jeff, that's great stuff. I'll see you tonight, Petrie TV, Grayson, East Coweta. That's going to be a really, really fun game. Great way to start the GHSA high school playoffs. Of course, we got expanded pre- and post-game coverage of the rest of the uh, playoff brackets here tonight there as well. That's going to be terrific on TV. And then Jeff will make our way over to Knoxville tomorrow morning for a fun game uh, at and on Rocky Top there on Saturday afternoon. So appreciate your time. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Brandon, can't wait to see if you're going to sing Rocky Top uh, on the field afterward, man. I wonder if you got a you got one of those solos in you. Don't put it past me. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Yeah, well, the season started a little karaoke, right, with the uh, – Friends in low places there in Charlotte. Continue a little karaoke tomorrow with a little good old Rocky Top to bring back what Jake Fromm did. Uh, yeah, not a bad idea all the way around. And 
Oh, by the way, good job for UGA. We talked about this earlier. The fun they had with their own pregame hype video. That was terrific. And uh, let's also get ready to go cruise around the rest of SEC right now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And let me tell you about a special ship there for Royal Caribbean that's heading out on some terrific sailings, going out of Fort Lauderdale right now, going on some Caribbean cruises, like places like St. Thomas and Cozumel and Rotan and uh, Honduras, but also uh, some Bahamas destinations as well, including Perfect Day Coco Gay. I'm talking about Odyssey of the Seas. Y'all, this is an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, getaway here, taking the the cruise destination to an entirely another level. You saw the the bumper cars. You saw the 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 incredible array of opportunities on board. The special restaurants like Chops Grill and the the chef's table, which gives you uh, a just delicious multi course meal that you're able to enjoy. You've never been on a cruise vacation like what you're going to get on Odyssey of the Seas, an unbelievable, unbelievable getaway from our friends at Royal Caribbean. And it's your time to start making your plans to do this while Odyssey of the Seas is sailing out of the United States, while it's sailing out of uh, 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 Fort Lauderdale, your chance to be a part of a cruise vacation unlike anything you've ever seen before. So let me tell you about my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They're the ones we would tell you to turn to to be a part of what's going to happen on Odyssey of the Seas. You can find them online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. To get the best experience from Royal Caribbean, you want to use folks who know all about Royal Caribbean. That's the Cruise and Vacation Authority. So book your Royal Caribbean cruise today with them. And we go cruise around the SEC here, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I thought Alabama coach Nick Saban said something pretty interesting yesterday on his radio show. He was asked about his offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. I want to read you the quote here. And... You know, look, on one hand, there's not much to this. On the other hand, doesn't it seem like pretty faint praise? You heard the phrase before, damning him with faint praise. Doesn't it seem like this is what that is uh, a little bit? So he was asked in the radio program, hey, what do you think about Bill O'Brien, your first-year offensive coordinator? Of course, a lot of folks know O'Brien, former head coach of the Houston Texans. He says, I actually think he's done a pretty good job, Saban says. He goes on to say, I think we all had a bad game last week. O'Brien will be the first to say that, and me too, because we were responsible for what happens on the field, and it wasn't good, especially on that side of the ball. But I don't think that's the reason to question what we've done all year. We're the number one scoring team in the SEC, I think, he says. Last week, though, was not good. As I said before, there's nothing particularly critical there other than admitting that Alabama didn't have a very good game against LSU. But that's not overwhelming praise either, is it? And to me, this is one of the under-discussed stories in the SEC right now. He's, first of all, correct. Alabama is leading the SEC in scoring. They're the only team in the SEC currently averaging more than 40 points per game. Georgia's close, but Alabama is a little bit ahead of that mark right now. So statistically speaking, things are fine, but this is not an Alabama offense that has been dominant week in, week out. One of the things that we told you during the offseason, and I think history is going to say that we got this right, is that those who assume that just because O'Brien had a fancy resume, former NFL head coach, and I'll, I'm going to lump Doug Marone into this as well, the also former NFL head coach that's working with the Alabama offensive line, just because Alabama made those high-profile hires, I thought a lot of Alabama fans incorrectly assumed this would be a turnkey solution. They would step in and immediately have the same level of success that Sarkeesian had. We said, don't be so quick to assume that happens. We talked about the idea that when Sarkeesian left, he took some of what made Alabama special with him. And for all the coordinators that Bama has had, you know, Bama's, uh, Saban's always heaping praise on Lane Kiffin for the transformation that Kiffin allowed Saban to make. But the, act, the actual truth is, 
on a statistical basis, Kiffin was not the best playmaker Alabama had during the recent Saban era. That mark and that honor goes to Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian's head coach at Texas now, and Alabama is not the same without him calling those plays. So just follow this way and keep this in mind, that as Alabama tries to be Alabama before the season is done and put something together that replicates the, the, the historic greatness that's come to define that team, the guy that's pushing the buttons offensively I don't know that he's quite got the rhythm of this figured out the way that Sarkeesian did a year ago. That doesn't mean Alabama still won't be the best team at the end of the season, but they're not finding things quite that easy on that side of the ball here this year. The faint praise from Saban, I think, serves as an indicator of that. Let me also say this here really quickly. I think this is a fun comparison for Georgia tomorrow. So Georgia plays at Tennessee as a 20-21-point favorite, something around that, that mark. Tomorrow, Ohio State finds themselves in a similar situation. The difference is Georgia's on the road, Ohio State's at home. Ohio State's also playing a ranked team, at least from the purpose, uh, for, from the perspective of the college football playoff selection committee. But if you look at, say, uh, ESPN FBI, they're really not that different. Georgia's playing the 27th rated team in the ESPN FBI, that's Tennessee. Ohio State's playing the 32nd rated team in the FPI that's Purdue. So Purdue's ranked in the top 25, but Tennessee's actually power rated ahead of Purdue here at the moment. Both teams are about a three-touchdown favorite. Not a perfect comparison because Georgia's on the road, Ohio State's at home. But both these teams, I think, are in kind of a similar situation in that they are trying to just kind of flex one more time. Now, Ohio State's got some tough games. Ohio State's toughest games are still yet to be played. But very, very similar window into both programs. Three touchdown favorite against a team that's kind of in the same category of good-ish, but certainly not great type teams. Who is the more dominant team tomorrow? Ohio State against the Boilermakers, as they've come to be known the Spoilermakers because they've won so many games against top five uh, opponents, or a Tennessee team that feels like it's got enough offensive firepower to hang around there? Who can be more impressive between Georgia and Ohio State facing similar point spreads against similar competition. I think that's an I think that's actually something kind of worth paying attention to a little bit tomorrow. And with that, we'll make that your SEC through. Let me also talk about my friends at the finished long drink here for a moment because rolling into the weekend, the finished long drink, great thing to take with you. I, I know that's what my uh, folks in my neighborhood are going to be doing. I won't be there. I'll be uh, working. But uh, my wife will be kicked back, relaxing, and enjoying the fall temperatures being outside. And that means the finished long drink going with her. Of course, there are four varieties of this. There's the traditional, which comes in the blue can. That's the that's the grapefruit flavor. You've got the long drink strong, the black can. That's 8.5% alcohol by volume. You've got the long drink zero, no sugar on that, no carbs. you got the long drink cranberry, which, as you might expect, has cranberry. It's from Finland in the 1950s. And you may be saying... Well, now that it's here in Georgia, I can get some anywhere. Which one do I want? Which variety of the finished long drink is the right one for me? The good news is you don't even have to don't have to decide. You can get one of these eight can packs where you get two of each variety, and so you can enjoy all of them. You can sample some of this one, sample some of that one. You can trade off with somebody else, and you can find out which one of these finished long drink options is the best for you. The traditional with the, with the grapefruit, the cranberry, the long drink zero, the long drink strong. You can try them all in the eight can packs. You get two of each variety. So if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick some up today. That's thelongdrink.com and find out where you want to go for all of that. All right, 
We've got a great collection of golden shoes to give out for you here today. So let's get ready to roll in there and do that right now. Some of these are hashtag JD to NYC themed. Some of these are making fun of Tennessee themed. And we're just kind of here for all of it. So here's our first one here for today. Golden shoe. Congratulations goes out to Sugar Ray, who's really become very good at some of this Photoshop type stuff. So I joked on Twitter last night that Tennessee wearing its all-black uniforms was a mistake because it was going to pick up those mustard stains from the folks throwing the bottles around Neyland. And Sugar Ray came back with that. You see the black uniform, mustard bottle in the hand there, squirting that all over himself. Yeah, that's what it's going to look like. I'm just telling you right now, the black uniforms for Tennessee, big mistake for a number of reasons. And Sugar Ray, I believe, has identified one there. Great job, Ray. You are a golden shoe winner uh, for today. Also, does that say uh, black sheep? Uh, can you, I'm sorry, I hate to ask you to do this. Can you go back uh, one more time here? Does that say black sheep uh, going up the uh, uh, side there, the black sheep of the SEC? Uh, pretty funny from Sugar Ray there on on, on that too. Uh, that's not not bad at all. That's pretty good stuff there by uh, uh, by our buddy Ray there when it comes to Tennessee Vols. Well done all the way around. And don't think I don't notice this there as well. Look at Tennessee down there in the bottom left-hand corner. The ends in Tennessee are also made to look like the golden arches. Obviously, going back to the Jeremy Pruitt rumor and innuendo of uh, stuffing cash in the McDonald's bags. So Sugar Ray just handles it all the way around there. That's really good. Our next golden shoe winner. Let's see who we're going to be giving out one here now. How about Bulldog Rob? He says, Dog Nation Daily, you did this. Don't stop. Keep this train rolling. First of all, Rob, I appreciate that. I mean, I am obviously thrilled that we've played a role in getting the Jordan Davis Heisman train out of the station as well as we have. You saw the ESPN graphic here just last day or so. You got six faces on there. Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, CJ Stroud, Kenneth Walker, Matt Corral, and right there is Jordan Davis. This is happening. The hashtag is working. So Rob says for me to keep it going, I'm going to. Y'all keep it going there as well. ESPN, Fox, CBS, they're all taking note. Hashtag JD to NYC is working, and I couldn't be happier about that. Could not be happier about that at all. Rob, thanks for sharing that. Our buddy Scott Teapot Harris also sharing the same image. Yeah, I got this a lot. A lot of folks were fired up when ESPN put Davis on the screen. Uh, That's great to see. And he also gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. So when you tweet this, use that hashtag just like that. JD number two NYC. We're going to send Jordan Davis to New York City as a Heisman finalist. He may just win the dead gum thing. Uh, that is uh, great. What is it that um, Portnoy from Barstool always says when, when he's trending? He goes, Mama, there goes that man. Like every time I see Jordan Davis showing up on these big media things, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, there it goes again. Jordan Davis is, is absolutely taking off right now, and we are so, so happy about that. And you know what? We are kind of proud we played a role in that, so uh, I don't mind telling you that. Uh, a few more of these here. Keith Pitts gives you more of the mustard bottle stuff. He says, Tennessee fans be like, and you got the – the, the French's mustard bottle there after that was thrown the Ole Miss game. I've said before that for all the wrong reasons, Tennessee fans are the most photogenic in the SEC. I don't think any fan base has been memed more than Tennessee fans have been memed because they wear goofy stuff to the games, and they act pretty bizarre, to be completely honest. And so Keith Pitts obviously touches on that there, and that's a great job by Keith. Brian Whitehead also checks in to give you uh, the French's mustard. Uh, That's his own version of the Tennessee alternate uniform for Saturday, and Brian Whitehead does a really good job with that. Is that the last one? 
All right, so uh, great to be able to see all of that. Hey, one more thing to tell you before we go. Uh, we talked earlier about Go With The Flow. That's our gambling pick show that airs on the Dog Nation video channels on Friday each and every day. And some of you play along with us when it comes to making those picks, but you can also make your picks for real and win some money for doing so with my friends at BetUS. Now, here's what you need to go, need to do. You need to go to BetUS.com, and then you need to use the promo code DN125. When you do that, you're going to get an initial deposit bonus of 125% more than you put in. Simple language here. If you put in $100, they're going to give you $125 on top of that. That means you have $225 in your account. You literally are going to get more money from BetUS in your account than you put in there yourself. And that gives you a lot to play with. You're a winner before you even win your first bet. So go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125. Take advantage of the big sign-up deposit bonus. And then after that, use my picks. Because i got to tell you, my picks are working out pretty well here right now. So um, maybe lean on those. Make yourself a little bit of money. We'll have some fun following all that here this weekend. I'll give you my picks later on today as part of Go With The Flow. That'll be a uh, good time. But you got to get signed up. BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125 to take advantage of the 125% sign-up bonus from our friends at BetUS. They've been around for more than 25 years taking care of players. Nobody uh, does that better. They're America's most beloved sports book. When you go to BetUS.com and when you use the promo code DN125, you're going to find out why. So, a lot going on here right now. We appreciate you being here for all of that with us. Of course, I'll see you tonight. Petri TV for Grayson hosting East Coweta. And, of course, expanded pre- and post-game coverage all across the state of Georgia. There are some great, great round one matchups. And so we're going to look forward to talking about all those. It's just a great time of year for high school football. And what could you ever want more so than to then roll from there right over to what's going to happen in Knoxville tomorrow. We think Georgia gets a win against uh, the Tennessee Vols. And even if Tennessee shows a little fight, ultimately that's not the worst thing in the world. And we think eventually Georgia throws that knockout blow and stays well on its way uh, to that chase for the championship. We'll see you at Marlowe's Tavern on Thursday, December 2nd. We'll see you at our big Dog Nation tailgate at the Home Depot backyard on the day of the SEC championship game. Dognation.com to get your tickets for that. And oh yeah, by the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, how about going back to Jacksonville 351 days from right now and beating up on Florida again. That's never a bad thing. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll see you Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, where we'll take your comments here and find out what you're thinking about as we get ready to roll into a big weekend. I am going to be kind of quick with this day. I know I say that a lot, but I, I just kind of need to. We just got so much going on, so much going on. But we obviously want to take some time to uh, get your thoughts on what you think is happening with Georgia football is going to roll into a fun weekend. If you're in Knoxville tomorrow, I hope you'll come by and see us. Uh, we'll try to be around the stadium before the game. I'd love to say hello to you. And I'll also invite you to check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Uh, just appreciate uh, all of that. And if your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace those for you, replace that for you the same day. So make sure you find them online at rsandrews.com for a lot more on that. I want to read this from Matthew D. Powell, who says, while my perspective about the quarterback situation from the 11-11 podcast is okay and narrow to the current team performance against uh, yet again a weak conference schedule today, you have to be honest that future five-star recruits, particularly wide receivers, we still have a bit of a glass ceiling, won't line up to play on a team with a quarterback with the NFL arm, and the highest ceiling is watching from the sideline. And the sub six-foot quarterback, whose greatest attribute is to extend plays with his legs, is running the offense. 
The future depends on playing the right quarterback and not the coach using smoke and mirrors each week against the opposing teams, just saying. That's a lot to unpack. So let me kind of say it this way. I don't necessarily disagree that Georgia's wide receiver recruiting is lagging behind the other areas of the program. I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I think that's just kind of a natural thing where I mean, you're not going to be a perfect 10 across the board. And it was easier for Georgia to establish itself with defense because that's the side of the ball that Kirby Smart was coaching before he came here. It was a little easier for Georgia to establish itself with running the football because Georgia had the great legacy of running backs. It was a little bit easier to establish all of that. I think it's been a little easier to establish yourself at quarterback because the state of Georgia has actually become a pretty nice hotbed for quarterbacks in recent years. If you want to go back 20, 25 years ago, Georgia wasn't really a quarterback state, whereas now it kind of is. That, that these were areas in which those position groups were made easy. But Georgia, even pre-Kirby Smart, was not a great wide receiver recruiting program. Georgia, before it signed George Pickens in 2019, had not signed a five-star wide receiver since 2009. That's a full decade of recruiting where Georgia did not have the five-star wide receiver. So, so what Kirby Smart inherited was a program that had not really been recruiting great receivers. for. Now, you, it's not to say that Georgia never had good receiver play, but when, when it comes to true receivers of the five-star variety, Georgia wasn't doing that before Kirby Smart got here either. So part of the issue for Georgia with recruiting of wide receivers is it's been about a program trying to make up ground on issues that existed prior to the current coaching administration. So we can agree together on the premise that the final frontier for Georgia recruiting is the wide receiver spot. I don't think there's any dispute for that whatsoever. The one thing that I don't know that I necessarily buy your premise on is that, and you could change all of that by flipping the quarterbacks, putting Stetson Bennett on the bench, and putting JT Daniels in the game. The reason why I'm not quite so sure that's true is because, and this is not a shot, this is not a criticism, it's just an evaluation. It's not like receivers were really thriving with, with JT Daniels either. Daniels threw the ball more, but Daniels was also making a lot of shorter throws than, than, what, uh, than what Stetson Bennett's making. I've told you before that my hunch, my suspicion, is that Daniels is probably the better of the two quarterbacks, but given the lack of evidence to support that opinion, I'm willing to trust what Kirby Smart's choosing to do here. But I fundamentally disagree that these receivers are all sitting by saying, once you play a guy like JT Daniels, now I'm ready to come to Georgia. I don't quite think that's the case necessarily. I mean, look at the way the football was distributed against Clemson. As a, for instance, Daniels threw it a lot, completed a lot of passes. Mostly these were short six, seven-yard passes, and a lot of that was to a tight end Brock Bowers. So it's not like receivers were just feasting under JT Daniels either. Georgia is comfortable allowing Daniels to throw more seemingly than it is allowing Stetson Bennett to throw. I don't, I don't dispute that. But wide receivers weren't exactly you know, uh, thriving in the JT Daniels offense either. Now, Who's to say that they won't, but as of yet, they kind of hadn't been. That's kind of the weird part about this entire quarterback discussion is the actual stats don't argue for Daniels as much as some people probably think that they probably should. When you think about the guy that was tabbed as the starter before the beginning of the season, there had to be a reason that was the case. When you think about the fact that 
He you know, was clearly the guy that raised the level of play for offensively for George for the most part a year ago when he came in for those uh, four games that he started in 2020, that there had to be something about Daniels that separated him from the other quarterbacks, Bennett included. But the offense with Stetson Bennett, although it has looked a little bit different, the overall results have been pretty great. And there's some guys like, say, Kiaris Jackson, for instance, who probably has performed better with Bennett than he has with Daniels. He had back-to-back 100-yard games a year ago um, uh, against Auburn and Tennessee. He had uh, the touchdown against, uh, was it uh, Florida, uh, going back a couple of weeks ago. And that's a small snapshot. Maybe it's meaningful. Maybe it, maybe, maybe it isn't. But to go back to the original points that you made, one of which I agree with, one of which I don't, it's fairly clear that that Georgia is waiting to see the wide receiver recruitment fully fill out the way the other position groups are. That's that's true. What's not obvious to me though is is that the way that you get that to happen is by flipping quarterbacks from Bennett to Daniels. I don't I don't believe that that recruits are paying all that much attention to that one way or another. I I really don't. Because if it was as obvious as you say it is, then Smart would clearly do it. There's almost no decision he wouldn't make that if he thought it was going to benefit Georgia recruiting. I mean, that's the way the entire program operates. So for me, I continue to be content with whatever happens. I am curious. Does JT Daniels play more this Saturday than he played last Saturday? Does he play in the first half of this game? If he does, that's an indicator that he might be working to regain his starting spot. But if he doesn't play at all, and if Stetson Bennett plays well, then that may be an indication that Bennett is the guy for this team right now. And assuming that Smart and Todd Munkin have their reasons for doing what they're doing, I'm kind of okay with that too. And I'm not telling you that I'm trust the coach's guy and you got to be happy no matter what happens. You're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to disagree with me, certainly, and Kirby Smart if you want to there as well. But I don't feel like I know enough right now to vehemently disagree with whatever Munkin and Smart are choosing to do. And I'm just hopeful to see the Georgia offense play well tomorrow, regardless of which these two quarterbacks plays, or regardless of how often each of these two quarterbacks play. I think it's a fair question, and it's an interesting topic, but ultimately it's one in which I'm not quite so sure your premise is as true as you think it is. But I appreciate you sharing it, and I appreciate all of you reaching out on Twitter at DogNationDaily or in the comments section at DogNation.com. Fun way to have this discussion each and every day here as part of our podcast, Cool Down, presented by R.S. Andrews. Make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. And, of course, uh, make sure you check out the Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews. That's our gambling show, our picks show. We make picks against the spread each and every week. R.S. Andrews provides that. Our buddy Dari Payro from R.S. Andrews joins us on that show there, too. It comes up on Fridays on the Dog Nation video channels. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for more Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.